Hello, hello. Yep, we're on. Okay. Get to see me again. <laughs> um, okay, so this morning we're, our Bible reading comes to Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. Okay. Shining like the stars, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you and will bring the act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. As you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Amen. Well, uh, who's been working on their memory verses? Oh, come on. What do you reckon? Uh, who can tell us what we've been encouraging each other over this last term is to each week pick one verse out of each passage and commit it to memory. Uh, does anyone want to have a go at one of their memory verses? You can think of one. Yeah, that's not part of this one, but that's a great one, though. It's a great one, Annette. Don't forget that for all things work out for the good of those who love the Lord. That's We're keeping in Philippians for the moment. Don't have Romans as well. But in Philippians, go. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's from our second one, isn't it? We know that one. That's a great one. It's a good one to have, isn't it? Anyone know another one? What about 127? Whatever happens. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. All right, push that one. All right, what about last week? Philippians 2. Excellent, Matt. Yep, that's verse 11, isn't it? That's a fantastic verse. Uh, if you were singing the song, The Highest Place, we sang it last week, put it to words, you can sing it. That God exalted him to the highest place. Uh, great one to have. Or your attitude is to be the same as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't grasp hold of God and gave up and became a servant. Uh, good verses, aren't they? And even back to chapter 1. Good for you to be thinking through all those things. I want to encourage you to have that. I want to encourage you this week to think about a verse out of this passage for you to commit to memory. Uh, the aim is that by the end of this, you'll have 9 or 10 memory verses out of Philippians. How good would that be? It would almost be you'd have the whole of the Philippians in your head because if you had a verse from each of those sections, you could almost pick, piece together what Philippians is all about, couldn't you, by having those memory verses as you go through. So let me encourage you with that. Uh, they're great things to have because as we've got them in our mind, then God can bring them to our memory as well at the appropriate time when it's time to be able to speak them as well. I think that's what Jesus is saying to his disciples, that uh, 
when you know me, that I'll, by the Holy Spirit, I'll bring to your mind uh, the scriptures. They're the scriptures that we have in our mind. He brings them forward for us to know them. Well, we're up to Philippians chapter 2. And uh, as Dean read for us, we're looking at uh, verses 12 through to 18 this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we'll look at that together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how good it is to gather together. Uh, Lord, as we've been through a week that really has pushed us in so many ways. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, now take a moment to uh, look at your word together. And within that, Lord, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts, uh, that you'll speak into our lives, and that your spirit will take your word and transform our lives so that our lives become more like Jesus in every way. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, don't judge the book by its cover. It's a saying, isn't it? We've heard that many times. Uh, The idea is that until you get to know someone, until you see the life of them, then don't make judgments on them. Once you know everything about them, judge away. No, no, that's not really what it's talking about, is it? Uh, the idea is that the concept isn't it that as we look at things and we see things, that uh, what's on the outside isn't always what's going on on the inside, and what's going on, on the inside isn't often portrayed on the outside. And sometimes that works in different ways, doesn't it? Sometimes the turmoil that's going on, on the inside we don't see that, and we have this cover-up on the outside. Sometimes the outside, we live in a way that actually isn't what's going on the inside. Sometimes it all gets confused, doesn't it? The outside and the inside seems to be contradicting each other. They seem to be going off in all sorts of different directions. Well, I think as we read through the passage today, as we look at the Bible together today, that Paul is wanting to say to us this morning that our cover and our content are to match. That who we are on the outside and who we are on the inside come together. That there's not a mismatch, there's not a mixed match, but we are who we are and we are to live who we are. We're going to be thinking about that today. We're going to be thinking about the fact that God wants us to be, for you to be, who you are. That what is who you are on the inside is to come out in the way that we live on the outside. That what drives us from internal is to drive us on the outside. So that our cover and our content are to be the same. So get your Bibles, have them open at Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to work through that this morning. There is so much crammed packed into this that again. Uh, just about every passage we look at, there is so much that we could spend in each little bit. But we're just going to spend time today. I'm going to try and pick out a few things for you. Uh, if you see on the back of your service sheet, there's a little bit of uh, an outline for you. That'll give you a bit of an idea where we're going today, and particularly on some of the main uh, sections that we're going to be looking at. And the first one is be who you are. That is, who you are on the inside is who do we are to be on the outside. Uh, if you look at the passage, it starts, doesn't it, with that wonderful word, therefore. Last week's passage started with therefore too. This week's passage started with therefore. And what it's saying is we need to understand what's gone on in the past to see where we are at the, at the moment. What has Paul written beforehand to know what he's about to say now? And what Paul's done in chapters 1 through to chapter 2 and the end of chapter 2 verse 11 that Nat read for us or 
quoted for us, uh, we see a, a beautiful picture of what Paul sees as a person who follows Jesus. He paints a person who is passionate about Jesus and other people. He paints a picture about a person who is confident in God's got their past, their present and their future. Uh, he passed, paints a picture of someone who is committed to live a life that is worthy of Jesus. And then he paints a picture in chapter 2 verses 1 to 11 of what it is to be a humble servant who follows Jesus. And in those verses uh, 5 to 11, we saw last week, uh, is a magnificent passage out of the Bible. It is like a hymn. We think it might be one of the first ever songs written by Christians. And cram-packed into it is that amazing truth that Jesus, who was with the Father from the very beginning, who created all things with him, gave up everything and entered into this world, lived as a human, took on our skin, and as a servant, humbled himself and went to the cross to take all our sin upon him so that we could be in that living, loving relationship with God forever, so that we could be called children of God. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And God exalted him to the highest place and every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. That is our Jesus. That is our King. And in him we become his family and in him we become citizens of heaven. And so Paul, in this passage here, says, Therefore, if this is who you are, therefore, he's about to outline stuff for us. But can I say to you this morning that if you haven't taken that step to put your trust in Jesus and become a follower of him to trust him to believe in him to be brought into his family and into his, his citizenship then do it today don't leave it for another day take it today because once you enter into his family and into his kingdom you are his forever <coughs> as we sang in the songs and when you are his forever then you have a life that he wants you to live for him. He wants to, you to be who you are, to be followers of him, to be citizens of his kingdom, to be in Christ. You see, that's what he's saying here, isn't he? He says, therefore, dear friends, uh, at this point in time, Paul isn't writing to people who don't know Jesus yet. Paul isn't writing to people who are even searching for Jesus at this point in time. At this section in the passage, he's deliberately writing to people who know Jesus now, who have put their trust in him. He says, dear friends, dearly beloved, dearly those who follow Jesus. And he says, be who you are. You see, he says, work out, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now we need to remember that Paul is not saying work for your salvation. That's not the word there, is it? It's work out your salvation. So Paul is not speaking to people here to say this is how you will be saved. You can't work to salvation. You cannot do it. That's what verses 1 to 11 is about, isn't it? It's Jesus who does it. It's only him. 
trust in him. But here in this passage he's saying is, when you have that salvation, he says, work it out. Start living it out. Lots of fitness crazes out at the moment, aren't there? There's all these different things called CrossFit, uh, high intensity interval training, HIIT training, uh, hot yoga, all this stuff, isn't there? And all of it's about doing a workout. Uh, so if you, put, you get in and go hard and work out, and then you'll get fit, don't they? Now when they do this, they don't say, come and get a body and then work out another body and try and get that other body fit, do they? It's working out your body. You've already got the body. What you've got to do when you go to a fitness program is you work out this body to be more toned, better looking, something like maybe this. <laughs> yeah, that's the idea, isn't it? It's Luke Barker with one eye. You know. uh, that, that's the idea, isn't it? It's not that you have to go and find a body, get it, and then work out that body. No, 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 you've already got the body and you've got to work it out. Now, some of us have got to work that body more than others to get it to be looking like something like this. But you see, that's what Paul's saying here. He says you don't work for salvation. You don't go and try and get salvation. You can only have that in Jesus. But once you do know Jesus, then you work it out. That is, we actually actually put, put it into practice. We actually do have to start doing things and living things. And if we want to work it out and become... Godly, holy people is what he's talking about here. Then if we want to become more like Jesus, we actually have to put effort in. There's no picture in the Bible of let go and let God when it comes to living out just for Jesus. There is let go and let God when it comes to other things in the Bible. But not when it comes to living for Jesus. You see the big word, we heard some big words last week. We heard a big word called Incarnation. It's a big Bible word. Uh, this word that Paul is working about here is the word called sanctification. That's what he means by working out our salvation. Once we know Jesus, then we are to work out our salvation to become like Jesus. That's what it means to work it out. That we are to live lives to work it out to become more like Jesus. And it's a process. Uh, sanctification is something that we're working towards. We want to become more like Jesus daily. Here in this world, we'll never quite get it, will we? Because we're broken. This place is not heaven. In heaven we will be like Jesus. Our perfected selves will be in heaven. But here and now, it's a process of working towards it. Uh, here's a couple of big words for you. Don't often use these here, do we? But we're going to push your brains a little bit. Uh, so, sanctification is what we're talking about. Uh, is the one we see in the middle. The first one is justification in a sense. If you want to see this in a timeline type thing, justification is we've been saved from the penalty of sin. That is what Jesus does on the cross for us. That's what he did in verses 5 to 8 last week, didn't he? He humbled himself to the point that he went to the cross. And he takes the penalty of sin for us. Just as if I haven't sinned is another way of thinking justification. We've been made right with God. The penalty of sin has been removed from us by Jesus when we're in him. Sanctification is the process by which we are to become more like Jesus, that we're being saved from the power of sin. That more and more we become more like Jesus and more and more the power of sin has less impact on us. And we're to move towards Jesus. And finally, glorification. 
will be saved from the presence of sin. That's in eternity. No more. Bring it on, Lord Jesus. After this week, isn't it? We say, Lord, bring it on. We're not going to feel that pain. We're not going to have that disappointment. We're not going to feel the brokenness of this world. We're going to know perfection with Jesus, with others who know him forever. Great words, aren't they? Justification, sanctification, glorification. And what Paul's speaking about here is the middle one. That we are to work out what God has already worked in. That we are to work out what God has already worked in. When we put our trust and belief in Jesus, then we have the Spirit within us. And as the Spirit within us, we're to work that out as we become more like Jesus. We are to live it out. And that's how we're going to be living out, becoming shining like stars, aren't we? We're going to be thinking about it in a minute. You see, that's who we are. When we put our trust in Jesus, we are in Him and we are to be who we are. We are to live for Him. We are to live it out. That our internal and our external is to be the same. And we're to do that with fear and trembling. It's an interesting one, isn't it, that we hear that in there? Because we know that when we're in Jesus, we don't have to fear God in one sense when we get to eternity. But in another sense we do need to fear him, don't we? Because he is still God. He is still awesome and still powerful and still has everything in his control. Uh, who's seen The Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe or read the books? C.S. Lewis, uh, been put into films and all sorts of things. There's a great couple of lines in there that help us understand this idea of fear and trembling that we ought to have now. It's that sense of reverential awe, of recognising who we are and who God is. That God loves us and we are part of his family, but he is still God. He is still almighty and powerful and we are still mere humans when it comes to that. Uh, there's this point in uh, the story when uh, near the end, I think it's of the second book, and... Uh, in the middle of that, everything has sort of come to a, an end and they're standing around and they're talking. Uh, the children and some of the animals are, are standing around talking. And uh, this is, I'll read it to you because I can't quote it because I'm not off the top of my head for this one. It says this, But amid all these rejoice, and Aslan himself quietly slipped away. And when the kings and the queens notices, that's the, the kids, uh, noticed that he wasn't there and said nothing about it, but Mr. Beaver had warned them, he'll be coming and going. He had said, one day you'll see him and another you won't. He doesn't like being tied down. And of course, he has other countries to attend to. It's quite all right. He'll often drop in, only you mustn't press him. He's wild, you know, not like a tame lion. That's pretty deep if you want to actually think that through a little bit more. He's not a tame lion. You see, the lion, the lion, which in the wardrobe is Jesus, or God. Let's see the way you want to put it. He's not a tame lion. He's not bound by you and me. He's not on a leash. He's not stuck in a cage for us to bring out and parade around. It's not someone that we can just have there, in a sense, and say, you do my bidding because you're my tame little pussycat. He's not a tame lion. He's a ferocious lion. He's an untamed lion. But he's a good lion. 
That's what it means by reverential awe. That we are to sit in fear and trembling under him in reverential awe because he is God. Almighty, powerful God. I saw this hat. Our God is not a tamed lion. We never want to diminish him. We want to praise him and know him and love him and know he's the God who's not tamed. Because he's the God who's working out his plans in you and I. That's the amazingness, isn't it? This God who is untamed, who is awesome and powerful and reverential, actually wants us, desires us. And he wants to work through us. That's what the next part of the verse says, doesn't he? He says, be who you are, where you are. Look, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fill his good purpose. That is phenomenal, isn't it? The God who can do anything he wants, whenever he wants, says, I want you. I'm going to work through you. I'm going to take you and I'm going to work my plans through you. You're going to be the way that I'm in this world and part of this world I'm going to work through you in this world. I'm going to work with you to bring about my plans and purposes for this world. If you've ever been offered a job that you think is way beyond your miles and dreams, this is it. Who can remember Philippians 1 verse 6? Anyone know what that says? Quickly flip back. And read it for me. Someone to read it? God, who has started a good work in you, will bring it to completion. That's what he's saying here too, isn't he? God, who is at work in us, will fulfil his plans with us and through us. What a wonderful joy that is. How good is God wants us to be who we are, where we are, because that's where he's working. He's working with us and through us in this. What a wonderful thing it is. God is at work in you. A good mate of mine used to tell me one of his favourite saying is, God helps those who help himself, who help themselves. Well, it's actually not biblical. Uh, He thought it was. Uh, it's not actually biblical, but there's an element of in there, isn't it? There actually is an element of truth in it. That God helps those, works in those who are in him. God is at work in us to bring about his plans and his purposes. And he'll bring that to completion to the very end. That is wonderful news, isn't it? Absolutely wonderful news. He wants us to be who we are, that is, people who are in Jesus, where we are. Because that's where he's working out his plans and purposes with you. Be who you are, where you are, and that is to shine like stars in the universe. Bob's a great picture, isn't it? You know, he said, you know, in the city, with all those lights, it takes away, doesn't it? But when you get up here... And you look out and you see the stars, they blow you away, don't they? And they are signs of hope. And they're signs of wonder. And they're beautiful pictures, aren't they? It's a wonderful thing to see those stars there. And God is saying to us, 
that he wants us to shine like that into the universe. In this warped and crooked generation. You see, the darkness is all around us and we're to shine in that. The crooked and warped generation that he's talking about, that's 2,000 years ago, guys. We think it's today. It was then as well, and it will be, and it is, and it will continue to be until we get to that glorification stage. Uh, this world does not know Jesus, and so it will look dark, or the opposite will be, is like what Bob said, it'll try and shine so many stars out there that we won't see the real truth. It'll try and take it away from him. The word crooked is the word scoliosis. That's what we call for our back, isn't it? A crooked back. It's not straight. It doesn't know the truth. And we had to shine like stars in that, in this world around <laughs> us. Now, who knows what these are? Gas lights. Gas lights, aren't they? Yeah, not many of us would see them, though I do think in some European countries they still have these. Uh, what they used to do is the gas lights, they'd go around and they'd, they'd light them and they'd... Uh, set them and then light would come up. Uh, some of you would know the uh, storyteller Robbie Lewis, Louis Stevenson, wrote a number of famous books. One day when he was a child he was sitting uh, at the window of his house and he was looking out onto the street and his mother uh, came over to him to say what he was looking at and what he was seeing was uh, people coming along the road lighting the gas as they went along and his mum said, what are you looking at? And he says, I'm looking at a man who's punching holes in the darkness. It's a good picture, isn't it? Punching holes in the darkness. Now, that is to be us. Punching holes into the darkness. We're to be shining lights for Jesus in the world around us. It's interesting, there's uh, just recently, just this week, there's been a, a research put out of a thousand people in Australia. And uh, I think it's something like the percentage of, let me get that right, so we've got it for you as well. Um, Two in three people in Australia identify with religion or spirituality. It's interesting, isn't it? Two out of three. 55% uh, of Australians often or occasionally talk about religion or spiritually, spirituality with friends. And Generation Z, that is this guy, these guys' generation, their Generation Z. I don't know what generation we are, old. Their Generation Z, okay, Generation Z. Uh, 65% of them want to speak about spirituality. Uh, for the baby boomers, which is my era and slightly younger, 50%. Now we have a dark world, yes. But that tells us that there are people who are wanting to know. You know so often we think, no, 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 we're a bit scared to talk about it, aren't we? Because people don't want to know about it. 63% do want to know about it and talk about it. Over 50%. So every second person you meet down the street actually wants to have a conversation or wouldn't mind having a conversation about spirituality. That's the challenge, isn't it, for us? We don't need to sit back. We don't need to put our candle and not set our light. We don't need to drop back and not punch our light into the darkness. Actually, we need to punch our lights a lot brighter now, don't we? We were in a dark world, yes, because I wanted to run away from Jesus, but in that dark world, that means that people are craving for the light. And that's what he wants us to do, to be light, shining like stars, so that this world will see and want to know. 
Can I encourage you with that? Uh, the guys, we were talking a little bit earlier about the movie Case for Christ. Uh, it's a great movie for people who don't know Jesus yet to get along to and see. And if we get a chance to get a hold of the copy, which I'm sure they'll come out later, we'll play it here and we'll invite people to come along and watch it. But they were saying that for those of you who do know Jesus, that the case for Christ was just a really good injection boost to give you confidence to go out and keep speaking about it, isn't it? That actually we have a whole lot of evidence to say that this Jesus stuff is real. And we don't need to shrink back from it. We don't need to think that people can punch holes in it. Actually, we have a whole lot of stuff that says this is real. But we need to get out and do that, don't we? We need to be injected with that. We need to be injected here is what it's saying. And even from the research, people want to know about Jesus. Well, they want to know about spirituality. They probably don't know they want to know about Jesus. So we need to punch out there, guys. We need to get out there and shine our light for Jesus in how we live and what we say. So we are to be who we are, who you are, where you are. Shining lights into the world and the people that God's placed around you. And we're going to do that without grumbling or arguing. Ha! That's a tough one, isn't it? Without grumbling and arguing or questioning or getting upset. The, the picture is here, not that you can't be questioning of life and what's going on, but it's that undergirding murmur. You know the ones that under their breath. You know yourself, you think someone's speaking to you and then in your brain you start complaining about them and grumbling about them and getting upset. And, you know, that little murmuring underneath. You see, Paul is saying to those of us who follow Jesus, he said that last week, didn't he? he says, we want to be unified. We want to lovingly unified. And he says, grumbling and arguing will destroy and won't help you to shine like stars. We're not to have grumbling, we're not to have murmuring, not to be people that are under our breath complaining about stuff that's going on. If you've got a question, ask it. Got something you're not sure what's going on, you don't like it? Come and talk to us. Don't murmur. Don't grumble. Don't undergird people. Don't pull the, the, the carpet out from people from underneath. Now, I don't think we do that. I don't get a sense of that at all. But it's a warning not to, isn't it? It's a warning not to. Because as we live this out, he goes on to say, children without fault, without blameless. What he's saying is that as people look at us, they shouldn't have a reason to doubt Jesus. That's what all those words are talking about. They're not saying you can be perfect. They're not saying that you can do everything right. You're not sinless. What he's saying is those words have this picture that when people look at you, that you don't cause them to doubt Jesus. That's the type of life he wants us to be living. Because that's what shine stars, don't they? Our stars are to shine, and what do the stars shine towards? They shine towards the greatest of them all, Jesus. That's what our spotlight needs to be pointing at. We've had that saying, haven't we, uh, for many years, some of you would have heard it, uh, that we are to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Act in such a manner that you are a living proof of a loving God. That's how we shine like stars, guys. And we shine like stars first when we love each other well and we don't grumble and argue with each other. <laughs> we don't mumble around each other. 
we openly love and speak love to each other. And then we shine like stars. And Paul says we do that by holding fast to the word of life. That's to the scriptures. Uh, This picture has two ideas to it. Uh, One is that we hold fast to the Bible. We hold fast to the scriptures. We hold fast to Jesus. We hold fast to living in obedience to him. That's what we hold on to. We, we get into it. We spend time in it. We learn. We, get, we spend time to it. And the other picture of this is that we hold it out to others. So that hold fast has two, two aspects to it. We want to get into the Bible ourselves and hold it here, but we want to hold it out to people out there who need to know about Jesus. So Paul's been talking all about living our life for Jesus up to this point, hasn't he? But now he says that we need to hold the word out to them because that's where the life is found. Remember last week? That's what we're talking about. That's where the life is. It's in the scriptures. As we read about Jesus, as we learn about Jesus, then life is imparted through the word to people. We hold on to it. We hold it out. And that's what we're encouraging this term, aren't we? We encourage you to read the Bible. Just read the Bible. It's been our catchphrase. Read it yourself, read it with someone else and read it with someone who doesn't know Jesus yet. If you went to Case for Christ, that was what brought this guy. He, he, he looked at the Word, didn't he? He tried to disprove the Word. He tried to disprove that the Bible was not true, that the Jesus here wasn't who was real. But the Word kept coming up truth. He couldn't get away from it. And he put his trust in Jesus. So the word is powerful, guys. Our lives need to shine like Jesus and then we bring them to the word so they can actually meet Jesus and come to know him, put their trust in him. We were going to have a gospel community encouragement night the week after NCCC, but it may not happen due to what's been going on over the last little while because we just have not had space to put that into, into train yet. But what we wanted to do there was one was just encourage you to be reading the Bible yourselves, give you some tools to do that, and then read the Bible with others and give you some tools to do that. Now we'll try to feed that out to you once we get our heads around actually having that available for you. That's what we want to encourage you with, guys. This term, this year, as we seek to live for Jesus and shine like stars, we want to hold out the word of truth to them. You see, that's what Paul says is going to bring him joy. Uh, At the end, doesn't he? He says what brings him joy is when he sees that in others. Uh, Make my joy complete, he says. And then he rejoices when he sees it. And he says, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. There's this mutual rejoicing, isn't there, that Paul's talking about. He's finding joy in them and then he's rejoicing with them and then they're rejoicing together as they're encouraging one another to live lives shining like stars in this universe as they live lives holding fast to the Bible and holding out the Bible to others. Last week we encouraged you to find joy in bringing joy to others. That's what Paul's saying is he pours out his life in sacrifice to others. He wants to bring joy to others. That joy doesn't just mean jumping in the air, but I thought that's a picture at least gives you that sense. Joy means sitting with those that are hurting, 
when they've lost someone who's loved dearly. Joy means being there and listening when their life is just going into chaos. Joy is by bringing them a meal and handing it over to them and saying, you don't need to talk, this is just for you. Joy is seeing as that comes out and people are restored and healed and brought back into life. Joy is sitting down with people and praying with them and encouraging them and getting behind the word and even just reading a word from them. As Dean read the word that Jesus says, come to me, you are heavy laden and burdened. Or it's sharing a clip, even if, that we shared this week. It's rejoicing with one another in that time. It's rejoicing ourselves in the hard, the difficult, the hurting, the wonderful, the magnificent, the exciting. It's being rejoicing in every part of life together. That's what he's talking about here. I want to rejoice with you. I rejoice when I think of you guys and I think about how God is working in your lives. I pray that you can rejoice with each other as you're praying for each other and encouraging one another. Pray you can rejoice with me as we share the word with each other, that we have people that together are rejoicing. It's a wonderful picture, isn't it? Paul, in this passage, says, Be who you are, where you are. Shine like stars. The world that around you is in darkness. Who wants to grab onto a star? Who wants to know Jesus? Punch holes in the darkness, guys. Hold on fast to the word of life and hold it out to others. Pray that your cover and your content will be joined together, that they'll be matched. And we'll live that all out to the glory of our amazingly untamed but good God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know where each of us are at. You know what's going on in our hearts, Lord, and you know what's been going on in our lives. And Heavenly Father, you are deeply, deeply involved in all of that. And Lord, you deeply love us that you sent your son Jesus to live, to die, to rise again and to send his spirit to live within us so that, Lord, we can be healed, so that we can be restored, so that we can be people who live as citizens of your kingdom, as people who are worthy of your gospel, of people who shine like stars for you in the world around us. Help us to work out our salvation knowing that it's you, Lord, that's working in us. To shine like stars for you. To hold to your word and hold out your word. And to rejoice together in all circumstances and all situations. Heavenly Father, we can't do that by ourselves. We pray for your spirit to do a mighty work within us, Lord. Heal us. Transform us, Lord. 
Make us more like Jesus. Heavenly Father, we offer our lives to you. We offer our hearts to you. We offer our all to you, Lord. We hand it all over. We pray these things in Jesus' name.